0: Driving and Thriving is the career development podcast inspiring you to make some bold changes. It's time to sweat the big stuff. Each week, we speak to industry figureheads at different stages of their journey to understand what it takes to successfully manage your career. I'm your host, Laura Johnson, and today I'm lucky enough to be joined by Jennifer Hankin, marketing leader. Okay, so to get us started, can you tell us a little bit about your career background and your current role? So, my
1: career, pretty much a whole career journey, has been in marketing from a very early age. I knew what I wanted to do. I was kind of the I um, used to read the magazines and take out absolute vodka ads. And each, um, if you back in the day, the every absolute vodka like bottle was like a different theme, and they did a lot of like co branding. and. So I was always, yeah, really just interesting in, in marketing and advertising and branding and logos, and it's something that caught my eye. I used to read the papers for the ads, and so I knew from kind of a really early age that I guess something in that marketing, advertising realm was what I wanted to do. And I guess studied that in in college, and, and then all the way through into my career. So. Really early career, I started off working at a publishing company as a product, I guess, product marketing manager. So that was my first foray after college into, I guess, corporate life. But it still had a bit of, I guess, what we would know now as a startup vibe. And, you know, really was that conduit between like our sales team and our editorial team and then like our events and promo team and kind of really own that product. And probably what we think of early days, like lead and demand gen product was very much Part of that mix, and then how we would take that product to market. That was kind of my first role, my first entry into marketing. From there, I went back to school to get my MBA. It was something that was always I always wanted to do when I was in college. I did my GMATs, and I I followed them away. And I was like, when I'm ready to go, I'll just have them, and I can you know apply. And for me, going back to business school was about rounding out my. I guess my management and leadership experience, like I was very focused in marketing, but I wanted to understand each of the other kind of facets of business that I felt like would help me as I moved through the leadership journey as, as a marketer. Loved going to business school, was there for two years. and went to Boston College, which is a very big entrepreneurial school. Um, a lot of the graduates go on to found businesses, quite a number of very popular ones. And in my year that I graduated, um, that we know as household names now. Which is really cool. From there was my first right into Australia. So I kind of took a bit of a step back. That's the GFC 2009. There were no jobs to be had for MBA graduates. So, what I thought I was going to do was go work for um, FMCG. I wanted to go work for Procter Gamble. That was like my ideal goal, and it, it didn't turn out that way. So, what I did was I went through kind of a series of, I would say, more marketing generalist roles. And then I somehow landed my feet into this world of employment branding. So I completely dovetailed my my marketing career, and so hired by this UK company, uh, Alexander Man Solutions, are kind of number one in the world for recruitment process outsourcing. And they were looking for marketers who had no kind of HR or talent acquisition experience at the time to then take our marketing methodologies and apply them to the world of employers. So that's what I do with AMS, help start that practice in um, the U.S. and eventually move with them to Australia. But that got me exposure to kind of those Fortune 500 brands. Oh my God, I'm trying to think of some, but like Boston Scientific, BAE Systems, Rolls-Royce, way like these really big companies that were just really getting started on their employment branding journey. This was when it was kind of more of a novelty. It wasn't as Everybody has it like they are today. So I did that for a number of years in the US, then moved to Australia eventually and did it for the likes of Telstra and Origin Energy. And eventually I got really disillusioned with it. Like we were outward as a brand promoting these great employers. But as soon as they came in, that employment experience fell down and there were a lot of challenges. And for me, ethically, I don't like to sell something when I know they're not going to have a good experience. And at that time... Again, the industry was just catching up about this whole employee experience and internal employment branding rather than external employment branding. And so I took that as an opportunity to kind of leave the industry. I was on maternity leave. I came back and I said, you know what? I want to return to my VAPS roots. I want to be in tech. I want to be in startup. How can I find my way into this industry? So I really just attended as many like meetup startups like at the York Butter Factory, which I know has closed thanks to COVID. But um, yeah, if you remember them and found myself at my first kind of early stage pre I hadn't even launched product to market. We were still in product dev and kind of that was my first array and what does it look like when I don't have a product to sell, but I need to build a brand and a community. And it was really kind of responsible again for the end to end. And then have now gone through a series of roles in kind of marketing leadership, but in early stage startups when I had nothing and I needed to build it from scratch. Today, I am head of marketing at RecordPoint. RecordPoint is an information records management company. Um, just recently joined in the game of November and very much similar. They're kind of like a startup in a 12-year-old body is how I describe it. Um, they've been around for 12 years. They've built their product. It's really amazing. They have really great logos. And now they're looking to get their marketing function up and running and really help accelerate growth.
0: I love that. I feel like you were doing product marketing before anyone was talking about product marketing. And then the with yeah. like employee branding, like you were super early into both of those things, but I feel like they're things now we're looking for skills and we're talking about them almost like they're new, but you've been doing them for such a long time and really great exposure to have both of those things kind of so early on in your career and that internal and external focus as well. Just like a really great mix.
1: Yeah. And you're right. Like, I feel like now I reflect on that product market role very early on. I'm like, it actually wasn't a product market role. It was like a growth, go-to-market demand gen type of role, sales enablement either. You know, we didn't have product marketing managers at that point in time. But I think throughout my career, I guess the theme is that I've stayed a marketing generalist and marketing generalist is not a dirty word. Like you can accelerate your career by being a marketing generalist. And I guess what I feel like I bring in is that I bring that like the overarching strategy. I can see how all the bits of the pieces pull together and then how marketing influences the rest of the business and work really closely with the, kind of those cross-functional stakeholders. So I feel like there's a lot of pressure to like specialize, like be a digital marketer, be a social media person, do content. You know, you need to be a growth hacker. I hate that word, but it's okay. You don't have to be because eventually when you get to a specific level, it's okay to be a marketing generalist.
0: I'm totally with you. I was having that run to somebody the other day. Like I've always been a generalist. So I find it really difficult when people say like, oh, you know, but what are you really good at? And like, I've always done a bit of everything because I've always kind of been startup or tech and it's like, well, one day you're doing growth and the next day you're doing something else. And I love that. It's what keeps me interested. And I think, a bit like you're saying, I think it gives you a really broad overview of everything. But yeah. it also enables you to really, I think, hire well because you kind of understand a little bit of each. So you really are building the best people in terms of the skill set mix. Well on that note, so I put a post up the other day about Striving Book Club. And one of the books I got recommended was this one, which is Range. And it's all about why you should be a generalist rather than a specialist. Wait, I
1: have that book too. It's an on my bedside table. But I, I, I probably have only read two chapters. But somebody did yes, recommend did. that to me. That it's why you should be a generalist. And I think they've got a good example of, is it Roger Federer in there? Yes. Yes, and how he like played a lot of different sports in high school. And yep. then eventually that led him to just, I guess, specialize in tennis. And he's taken that, that journey. But because he did all those sports, he understood you know the teamwork and the psych and the different tactics. So, yeah, there's a lot of advantage to it.
0: Totally. I'm, it arrived yesterday, so I'm one chapter in. But the first chapter is Roger Federer example, the one you've said, versus Tiger Woods, who from the age of like two yep. played golf. But they're both incredibly, incredibly successful. So I think it's going back to that, like for specialists, sometimes that works for people depending on who you are, right? But generalists shouldn't be a bad thing. But I think as marketers, we go through this phase of like wanting to be generalists and generalists is the special shiny thing. And it's like, oh, no, no, now specialists are the shiny new thing. And we kind of have this, like it just kind of tracks. And I think it's the same. Oh, I can't think who had the rant, but it was um, a bit of a thought leader a while ago had a rant about digital marketers. Like, why did we call people digital marketers? Digital's just a channel. And I feel like it's the same with growth hackers now. It's like just this new buzzword term that we've all come up with because we've just essentially decided to rebrand something that happened in marketing that maybe became a little bit of a dirty word. So we've given it a new label. (laughs) We kind of overcomplicate life for ourselves.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: It's like, um, I know Mark
1: Ritson, you know, he always, I love his rants because I feel like he like he's like that traditional marketer that like I, when I went to school, you know, you study like Maslow's hierarchy of needs and like marketing theories and Marshall McClellan, you know, and you're right. It's just a channel. Like somebody's like, oh, we should do a lot more social media channels. It's like, no, let's talk about what content. Social media is just a vehicle to get your content out there. And I think that's being a marketing generalist you see that as an, you see how all those bits and pieces come together. And for the first time in this most recent job search that I've gone, I like really own the marketing journalist. Like I wasn't going to try to pigeonhole one way or another. I tried and was never successful in those interviews because they're like, why do you want to just do this? And like, yeah, I know. I don't know why I've gone down that avenue. But to then really just own that, yeah, this is where I am and this is what I can bring and offer to your company. Like mm. no,
0: totally, I'm totally with you. I guess on that then. so you've obviously had a few different roles along the way. You've tried different paths. If you could go back to like, you've just finished college, you're looking for your first marketing role, like what piece of knowledge do you have now? What advice would you give to younger you? Yeah,
1: it's interesting because I feel like when I first graduated, like it instilled, like you've got to get a company, you've got to stay there for two years, like I would say to really kind of, it's okay to ebb and flow your career. It's okay to go on different paths and tangents and come back. You don't need to work for the same company for 10 years. And I feel, I don't know, I graduated college like 15, 20 years ago, like it was a very different mentality. So that's what I would tell myself, like, don't follow the beaten path. And I don't think I've ever fallen the beaten path, but I beat myself up for not doing that, if that makes sense.
0: Totally. And um, I know we're both part of the DGMG Facebook group, but I, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw the other day that he put a post up about saying that he'd worked for five startups in six years and like how amazing that was, right? Because you saw these different journeys and you had this huge amount of personal growth. And then there were these really mixed responses being like, Oh, you can't job out that much. Like that's going to look really bad on your CV and other people are like, no, that's great. And I think you're right. It's almost, I mean, I remember graduating and, and the expectation was you did stay at a job for quite a long time or like five, 10 years. And I do think that's changed. And it's a lot more about like, what skills can you offer? It's a two way value exchange. And then when's the next bit of skill building going? Um, mm. But yeah, it's, I guess it's the pressure we put on ourselves, isn't it? To, conform to what we think is the right way to do something
1: right exactly and I feel like yeah we've just been over this transition I mean I think COVID's had a massive impact into that but it's now okay to leave a job that you're not happy with and you know you can leave a job after eight weeks or, or six weeks or or six months I guess you could say but and that's okay and that I think recruiters, good recruiters and good people in TA are, are looking past, oh, he only has six months at this company on the resume and actually saying, well, let's have a conversation. There could be a story there. I mean, you look at Dave from DGMG. I mean, he he went back to drift like after X amount of years. Now he's left not even six months later. Like that's okay. Yeah, he's going off to doing his own thing, but that could be perceived to somebody as a negative.
0: Yeah, I think the idea of the whole boomerang employee is another one that's like, I think it's such a positive thing for a business that if somebody's left, but they want to come back, like that's a real positive. And I think, again, that's something that's changed in the recent years, where it never used to be seen that way. But I think it's a great thing for the company and for the individual to say that, like they showed that much value there, that somebody wants them back, but also vice versa, that they, they want to go back to that place, going back to employee branding. I think yeah. that's a start to show people that actually practice what they preach rather than just have a wonderful looking career site. Yes, which we know <laughs> doesn't make a difference. <laughs> No. Um, Okay. Then I guess other stuff. So throughout your different roles and um, different teams, I guess, can you talk about like the best and worst career advice that you've had along the way? I think that I'm going to
1: go back to this, circle back, but like the worst career advice has been like that I need to specialize. Like I need to pick one thing and stick with it. In terms of the, guess the best career advice don't feel like I've had an amazing career advice. Like I feel like I haven't actually sought out the mentors that I should and have like that trusted advisors throughout my career. I've gone a bit, just gone on with it. And if I look back, I would say in terms of my career advice, like you need to go and seek out those mentors. Like early on, build that trusted network build a network of peers that you can balance ideas off of. And I think coming into COVID and having more time at home in last year, is like I've rarely done that. Like I've sought out those relationships. I sought out those communities and those groups to go and do it. Never. Yeah, so I feel like I haven't, I just haven't gotten a lot of like the advice that I've gotten is the advice that I've sought out myself and that I've read. And that's something that I wish I went back and said to like my earlier self, like go get a mentor earlier, you know, go seek those relationships. Don't ever stop learning. And I feel like for a period of my career, probably when I went into employment branding, I very much like stopped learning. I just got really stuck in that space because there was nobody to learn from at that point in time. Like everything we were doing was a bit new. And so but then when I moved back into tech and startups, like that's when I jumped that learning and really kind of learned a whole different type of marketing than I
0: had known before. So I guess on that, where do you go? Like, do you have certain like, communities or certain books? Like, where do you go to stay on top of knowledge? And then, or I guess gain extra knowledge, like you say, when you're in those new roles and you're a bit like, oh, I don't know how to do whatever. How do you go about that?
1: Yeah, I guess it's a lot of reading, but so I think it's two things. Looking for companies that I think that are doing things really well and following their strategy and following how they've ebbed and flowed over the years. And so those are the brands that I look at. Um, And then it's obviously the communities that I think have really solidified recently. So there's the all-in, all-in, I think it's all-in community, and that's all for in-house marketers. Um, There's the DGMG. I think LinkedIn has been really helpful. So once I've connected with those relevant people, then I start to find that people and their network and their posts come up on my feed. And that really expands um, what I'm doing out there.
0: Yeah, I think you're so right. And I guess you've touched on a few different bits and pieces, but what do you think has been the key to your success throughout your career?
1: I think it's that looking at the bigger picture. Always looking at the bigger picture when I come into a company and not getting stuck in, we just have to do this or we just have to do this. It's really coming in saying, it's just not just about marketing. It's not just about lead generation. It's about how can marketing influence the rest of the company? So how can marketing look at what your customer lifecycle looks like? How can marketing help improve how we take, let's say, our support documents to market? And how can marketing influence the product development So I think that's what has been my strength and has helped me along in all kind of the most recent companies that I've joined is looking at that bigger picture. Probably my downfall has been not being able to move quick enough or not having the foundations in place to kind of really do what I want to do.
0: I love that. It's a great I guess on that though, so it's a conversation we had the other week. Obviously you're new in this role. You've kind of got to work out everything. And I'm sure as you've been in startups, it's not gonna be the first time you've come in and it's basically a bit of a blank canvas. How do you manage expectations? And that's like expectations of you because you're like a type personality, you want to do everything you want to do it now, but also expectations of the business as well, because there's obviously all, always different priorities and people shouting louder than the next person, right?
1: Yeah. So I think it's a bit of coming and getting a lay of the land. I was listening to a podcast yesterday from Chris Walker from Refine Labs. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. In Boston. And it was all about, um, he was telling one of his kind of career journey stories, but it was about like the analytics and doing the customer research. And so it's kind of setting the scene, like we've got to establish what the baseline is. We've got to think about you know, what's going to be the most bang for our buck going forward, And what can we actually manage with with the resources that we have? And I've been really transparent in this role and saying, like, for instance, we had an outdated marketing automation tool. And I actually, in my vendor meetings, nobody would work with us because nobody works with this outdated tool. So that was a barrier for us to be able to move forward. And so I signed that contract this week to move to a new marketing automation tool, because I know that that is going to kind of set us up for success in 2022. But it's managing expectations back to the business. Like I can deliver from day one if your marketing foundations aren't in place. And it's being really clear and transparent about that. But giving them kind of an understanding of that roadmap, kind of almost running in sprints. Okay, this is what we're going to do this month, or this is what we're going to do in this quarter. And I think that's the approach that I'm planning to take for 2022. When I've come into this role where... They kind of had a natural turn of their marketing team. They had a very large agency of record. And now it's time to bring that expertise back in house, but then augment with the external vendors. And you had a really great advice when we spoke the other week is like, what can you chunk and give to somebody else? So that's kind of what I've done is, what can I start to chunk and farm out to an external consultant to, to achieve?
0: That's awesome. Is there anything you want to cover that we haven't covered? I think like, let's talk about
1: startups.
0: So okay. I think that there's so this is probably
1: a bugbear of mine. Like everything's about doing things that are sexy and let's do this, this new technique and let's join a startup and let's, let's be there for series A and series B and
0: $20
1: million raises. It's okay not to be in a startup. Like it's okay to take a role in a bigger company or a medium sized company. I think there's all these, I'm finding from all these communities, which they're great, but there's this like very much the startup mentality that startup is where you need to be in your career. And you're not in a startup well, you should leave and go somewhere else. I don't know what you feel about
0: that. And if you're getting that same sentiment, but that's, that's how I
1: feel it's coming through. I think
0: the startup thing is really interesting because I always used to say that I think startup years are like dog years, so like for every year in a startup, it's seven years in like a big organization, just because you get throw, so much thrown at you and there's so much growth and you learn so much. But I think, and that's a good thing and a bad thing, depending on who you are and what you're looking Mm. for. But I think because of that kind of idea that there's this huge growth, I guess, everyone therefore thinks it's sexy. But I think my experience of startups, although there's been, and I've loved it and I wouldn't do anything different, most of the time for a bit, you kind of have to do the shit work and it isn't sexy and you have no money and you've got to work out how you do it. And you're doing all this manual work that you wouldn't have to do you know, normally. And I'm sure you're having the same. So I don't think it's sexy. And I don't think it's necessarily the right way to build your career. I just think it's a way to build a career. But the success stories from people that have done huge growth in that, I guess, like DJ, like Dave from DGMG is a great example with Drift, right? It's like those people get really amplified and people think, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that if I go in a startup. Well, you're not. Like most startups are going to fail and you're going to have a bit of a shit time doing really manual work and probably not great marketing for a while because you can't afford to. Or if you can afford to do great marketing, you can't get it in front of the right people because you don't have the budgets to do that or whatever. So I think you're right. I think, but I think it's almost like, I think there's a couple of, like with anything, I guess, it depends what you're looking for and what you're trying to learn. But I think it is overly, yeah, people think it's a bit too sexy on that. So I've got a friend that has a recruitment agency, the Nudge Group, and they Steve. So, and one of the things that Steve's putting together for next year is a course basically around like, so you think you want to work for a startup and just like the course basically goes through the, like the stark realities of it, because he said he, they're having so many people come from large enterprise. They're like, I want to work in startup. They get a startup role. Like they'll talk their way into a role and then they get in and go like, oh my God, I don't want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> like- and
1: I've seen that happen. Like they've come like in my last company, like came from a really big, oh, startups great. I'm going to get on the rocket ship. I hate that term i'm gonna get on the rocket ship i'm gonna to get to series a and then like yeah but you're going to be going back and doing things you did 10 15 years ago because you have to you know like in this role this is the first time i've had some an actual head of pnc like somebody who's actually going to do the recruitment for me and then like do my phone screens and then send me the candidates And like if you're in a startup you're doing all that yourself you're also fielding accounts payable you're going to make sure your vendors paid in time there's no processes set up like and it just tracks from being able to do the work that you want to do. Like It's been amazing to have Molly Michaela and our PNC team because they have been like instrumental in me being able to get the roles that I need to hire out to market, but also then allowing me, I can go do other marketing things rather than having to feel the applicants coming in as kind of that first point of call. But that's amazing that Steve's developing like that course because it's difficult joining a startup, and especially if you've come from corporate, unless you've got that right mindset.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think going back to it, like you're saying that there's so much in these communities that make it sound super sexy. And then the reality of it is just like somewhat different. But I think on that, like there's lots of startups that whenever you read the job descriptions, they're like, oh, must've worked for a management consultancy or must've worked for, you know, like they love their old ex Google ex whatever. And I think even that's kind of over, like been made to be a little bit too sexy as well. That, like if you once worked for this company, therefore, And like your past success is an indicator of your future success. It just isn't. And I think we need to get a lot more down to that. Like you're saying, like the attitude and the skills that you're willing to bring and pull together. However, going back to one of the points you said earlier, just about where you did your MBA and there's so many entrepreneurs. I do think if you've got that entrepreneurial spirit, working in a startup in whatever role is great for you, because you kind of get a bit of a soft launch into it. Because like you say, like you're suddenly, you're not just doing marketing, you are the hiring manager and you are accounts payable and you're probably working out, you know, you're probably the office manager or something too as well. And you're working out the, yeah. the parties at the weekend. So do you think if you've got that kind of entrepreneurial spirit, it's a bit of a kind of almost soft launch into it for you. You get to learn some lessons without having to go all in first time round.
1: Yeah. And I,
0: like I personally, like
1: I love working for entrepreneurs. I don't want to be one myself, but I want to be in a business where it's entrepreneurial, where things can change, where you can move move the dial and and be part of something greater um, and really see that journey along.
0: Yeah. Do you know what? I always said I would never have my own business, but here we are. Yeah. I mean, in <laughs> opinion, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe. Okay. So
1: maybe I will like, I've got all these ideas. Maybe one day I'll, I'll launch it. <laughs> I, um, I think I toyed with that. Like I toyed with being a content producer one time and I feel like I'm a, quite an opinionated individual. And so I was like, oh, um, I was gonna launch this platform called the modern soapbox because little my mother always used to tell me that I was I always got up on my soapbox. Like I was the always always the one that like got on the customer service line and said that something didn't write, didn't go well. Or I used to write letters to the editor of our local paper growing up and definitely was published when I didn't agree with something that they published in the paper or needed to provide a different attitude. And I think that's probably part of my success as well, is like I've always challenged the status quo and I'm not afraid to speak up. And, and to push the the needle, I love
0: that. That was great. I would love to. Um, I'd love to read some of those letters at some point. Just yeah, I'd have <laughs> to dig them back up.
1: Back. Oh, my mother probably has the clippings in the basement somewhere in right? the U.S. <laughs> Definitely. But yeah, it's just I think startups is an interesting one, and it's probably the communities that I'm playing in right now that I feel like you need to be in a startup. You need to kind of they've just raised you know X amount of money, and I think that's probably what led me to record point is that I can see the potential of a startup. Even, but it's got the stability of, uh, you know, a twelve-year-old company, and there's an opportunity there to really shape it and shape what yeah. we're doing from a marketing.
0: I think kind of when we were talking about it the other day, it sounds like exactly that. Like you've got all, like you've got to do everything that you would do in a startup in terms of building those foundations, but you've got the benefit of like budget backing from C-suite and customers, where you can bring the customer stories, and you've kind of got all the, like it really is the best of both worlds. You've kind of got everything there.
1: Yeah. And like you've got, you know, the VP of engineering, you've got the VP of product, you've got your sales directors, and you're not having to cross-populate, like compared to yeah. um, one company where it's like under number 10 employee. So it was really like really early days. And so you have to do all these multiple roles and I can just concentrate in marketing now. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm looking forward to, to next year
0: and actually kind of getting it going. I love it. Um, just going back though, so we're saying that startups made to seem overly sexy, but you've obviously worked for a few. So what, I guess, made you want to work for a startup?
1: I think it was back to, I'm going to say it was back to that. It's that entrepreneurial thing. It's about yeah. always questioning the next thing. And I think I saw the success of some of my classmates, you know, in that period between when we graduated, I wanted to implement branding. They went and kind of build their own companies, like Gil from metadata.io, like he was one of my classmates at Babson and he's done absolutely amazing things with his company. And I think it's looking at what everybody else has done and not saying that I want to do the same thing, but saying like, this is why I went to Babson in the first place, that would attract me to the program. I want to go back to that roots. I want to go back to tech. I want to get involved in the detail. Yeah,
0: that
1: makes a lot of yeah. sense. I, I think it would be interesting, you know, and most of the companies that I've had have been more of those early stages, four to five years in, sometimes not even. And so that's why I kind of was like, I, I need to go something a bit more established for the, all those other functionaries, so that I can just focus on, on my patch on marketing for right now.
0: I also think it's just really nice to have the mix. right? Like, you know, I think it's great. Like I love startup for, for a lot of reasons, but I also like the idea of going to work in a large organization and, you know, looking after APAC or looking after a region, just because I think, you just learn so much just from the different structure and process and how people look at things. And I feel like it's never a bad thing to kind of switch between as long as you've got that the right mindset with it. And I feel like that's exactly what you're saying now. It's like, you've it's great. You've got some really general experience. And that was awesome. But now it's just like, I just really want to do really great marketing. So I'm just going to go and worry about marketing for a few years and then we'll see what's next. And maybe I'll just want to keep focused on marketing, but maybe I'll want to go back. And then you've got the options and you've got the skill set. And I guess that goes back to the benefit of being a generalist, right?
1: Yes, that you can float in and out of each industry. And that it's not like, it's startup is not about having like the great logo on your CV. Like, you're right. Just because you were successful at X, Y, and Z startup doesn't mean you're going to see successful here. I think there was one company that shall remain nameless that I've tried to get into like probably for the last seven years every time I've gone back for a job search I've applied for them but I'll never get a job there because I have not worked at one of these Australian unicorns I guess you could say because that's what they look for they want somebody that's come from a tech unicorn and I think that's a really narrow point of view
0: no, I'm totally with you. Things like that really wind me up. It's like, oh, well, if this person worked at Google or whatever, then like, let's just give them an interview. And like, you don't know anything about this person. Like you need to, and you think about, you know we talk so much about talent shortages, particularly at the moment, where if we're going to be that narrow-minded about where somebody worked or where they went to school even, is the other thing that I've come across here more than that I've come across anywhere. Then you are going to miss out on on really great talent. And there will continue to be a talent shortage because you're just not looking in the right places and you're not being flexible and you're not having the right attitude. Even having that discussion the other day, like looking for part time work over the last year has been really tough, right? And you think, how many? And mine's like because of striving, not because of you know, I'm looking after family or like there's no huge region like that, it's more of a bit of a lifestyle choice, I guess. While I try and work out striving, you think, how many returning mums, dads, or whatever, who have been who are amazing at what they do mm-hmm. but can only work part-time are being left out and people aren't looking at them because we're not being flexible about how we're looking at roles and we're saying oh it's got to be like we we're saying before like got to be in this location and it has to be 40 hours a week and it has to be this mm-hmm. If we could be a bit more flexible like that I'm sure we could open up a huge amount of talent that we're just not making the most of right now
1: yeah definitely and I feel like the conversation is starting to change I mean I Feel like when I've gone back after kind of I've got two little ones, like after my maternity leaves, like I've gone into kind of part time roles and I haven't had to necessarily sacrifice my career at that point in time. But I know so many people that have that have said, OK, well, I can't get a job and what I'm going to do because there's no part time roles available and I can't work full time. And I think that this conversation, it is starting to change, but. There's so much that we could be doing. I remember the guys over at Creative Natives. I think they're based here in Melbourne. They're like very much the startup marketing, um, startup recruitment as well. Like they had a post quite a number of months ago, like basically saying like there's all these great candidates out there. You just need to, employers need to adjust their their expectations that it doesn't have to be a full-time role and that you can achieve this in three days or in four days. Yeah, totally. Yeah.
0: Want to know more about how to get ahead? Be sure to check out striving.io for career development tools and mentorships to guide you through. Striving Striving and thriving. Striving and thriving. Striving and thriving. Striving. And thriving, striving 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 and thriving,
1: striving and thriving.